Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, here we go. Yes. We'll wrap up episode. Back again at the uh, at the denouement of the the year, yes. twenty twenty one, in our in our cozy season studio, trying to you know stay warm from this uh, winter Armageddon that's going on outside. It's a little it's a little cold out there today, un unseasonably cold for uh, for Canada's California here on the we- on the west coast. It's like what. Right today, I think it's like minus thirteen or fourteen with the with the wind chill, like a high of minus seven. Oof, so got to get some thermal socks or something. Honestly, I don't, I don't know. For a lot of Canadians, that's like that's not that cold. Yeah, I know, but uh, it's like a wet cold out here. I don't know. It's different, right? I know. My <laughs> parents always they grew up in Winnipeg, and I was like, when I grew up in Winnipeg, yeah, yeah, it was minus a hundred and. But I don't know, like I have, you know, lots of my family lives up north in northern BC where it yeah. gets proper, like properly cold. And Ayla, my wife's family, is all in, in Winterpeg. Oh, yeah, they're Winterpeggers too? Yeah, and they've come out a few times from both sides of the family when it's like, you know, minus one or like even plus two, but cold and rainy. And they're yeah. like, oh, it's just, it gets to your bones. Like it's a different <laughs> kind of cold. I was like, thank you. Yeah, that's what my dad says too. Yeah. He like finds it very cold here all the time. Yeah, but uh, we just wanted to jump on and kind of do a a year end like wrap up. Just share some of the things that have been so good to, for us over the, over this year, and yeah, highlights of of guests. Who knows where we'll go? We just want to kind of jump on it and say uh, just a big shout out, big appreciation to all of you who listen. And um, yeah, we just love doing this. So we're like, you know what? Let's let's get out in the snow. Bit and, of an extended what's good before yeah. we. Uh, Put on our, our long johns and try to bear the wilderness for a little 5K or something like a little, that. A little frosty 5K it'll be. Yeah. yeah. See if we can keep up with the sledders and <laughs> cross-country skiers. That's right. Uh, yeah. So what, uh, well, you know what, maybe maybe we start off on something that's like not 
not so good. Yes. But is a, a reminder, an important reminder of, of the power that each one of us has um, to, be, to be ambassadors of, of goodness on this planet. And that is the news that came out yesterday on December 26th of uh, the passing of the Archbishop Desmond Tutu. So that was one of the, one of the sad things. I try not to scroll my phone too much on these holiday times, but it's yeah. inevitable. But I saw that and I was just like, oh, that's, I mean, died peacefully at the age of 90. So a life, a life well lived with a legacy that's, you know, incredible. But still, it's like, man, what a loss. So what did, um, what did Desmond Tutu mean to you as a, as a man of, of faith? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. He was like, he was an inspiration. Actually, kind of a, as an aside story, um, years ago, uh, Ayla and I had the opportunity to go uh, travel to parts of like Southern Africa. And we spent some time in South Africa, the country, uh, before we traveled a bit around. And we stayed, I had no idea when we first kind of booked it, but we, the first night we got in there, we got uh, our guide, his name was Peter. He came and picked us up from the air- airport and drove us to the hotel we were staying at for a few nights in, in Cape Town. And we pulled up and the hotel was awesome. And I right away look across the street and there's this amazing like cathedral just across from the hotel we're at. And I was like, oh my goodness, like that is impressive. Like, what is that? And he's like, oh yeah. He's like, that's the Archbishop Desmond Tutu's like home church. Oh wow. I was like, no way. It's so crazy. So it was just kind of this cool moment where I was like, this guy has been, you know, influential in like ending apartheid, influential in bringing justice to people wherever there is like injustice and has, has been a role model of mine in terms of how do you actually live out your faith in a meaningful way that like impacts the world around you. And so, you know, some of the things that I admired him for uh, in my lifetime, obviously like working to end apartheid was incredible. Um, but some of the more contemporary issues that he really was an advocate for that oftentimes the church is seen as like not advocating for and can sometimes be seen as like actually working against um, is the is the LGBTQ plus movement. He was a huge advocate of inclusion and, you know, making space for people and non-judgment and basically just creating like a really broad tent that anyone and everyone could come under. And he even compared, you know, the oppression or kind of ostracizing of people of the LGBTQ plus community as like synonymous with apartheid. He said it's the same same level of an issue for him and went so far to even say like he wouldn't worship a homophobic God. And if he entered the pearly gates or however we imagine heaven to be and it was a homophobic heaven, he said that he would rather go to the other place. And I'm just like, damn, as like a significant archbishop in the church, like, and it put him at odds with a lot of people. Um, But uh, just an impressive man and also like a climate justice advocate and activist. Yes. You know, so often we see people who are, you know, dressed in robes and wear the clerical collar and are high up in, in levels of church. We, we look at them sometimes with suspicion or we think that maybe they're, they're too far removed from the really important issues on the ground. And I mean, yeah, Archbishop, Archbishop uh, Desmond Tutu was, was at the center of so many of these things. Mm -hmm. And 
yeah, cost him personally, obviously some, some things, but I think, uh, gave him much more credibility with, with people. And I think aligns him to the heart of God in, in, in a true way. So can you share that good quote that you, uh, put up on your Instagram today? I thought oh, it was yeah. like one, a great quote, but also kind of played on the theme of of our podcast here, yeah what's good it's funny because i had seen that before I, i'd seen that quote of his before um and it always resonated because it was so accessible but i had totally n- not thought about it since we started this podcast and even naming the pod i mean you kind of came up with the name and it just felt so right um, but then when i saw this quote uh come out i was like oh my goodness like this is exactly what we're trying to create on the podcast so i guess in a roundabout way Credit to Desmond Tutu. But the quote uh, that he has is, do your little bit of good where you are. It's those little bits of good put together that overwhelm the world. And I mean, that's just... I love that. That's just it. Yeah. It's accessible. It's achievable. Nobody's asking you to, you know, change entire systems of oppression. But if everybody just did their little bit of good where they are, it overwhelms the world. It overwhelms and overcomes those systems of oppression. And it's like small acts of good become a tidal wave in a way, you know, yes. like uh, if there's enough ripples in the water, if they all kind of come together, the current becomes overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the movement of good, you know, can't be stopped. Yeah. And that's, I don't know, that's his legacy. I think that's a legacy that we would, we would all want to live, live into. So yeah, sad news at his passing, but I mean, he, he died peacefully as a 90 year old man who had done amazing things and inspired countless people across the globe. And in some ways, even, you know, uh, as a 90 year old man, his, his, perhaps his effect personally has dwindled, but now at his passing, and, you know, people sharing quotes on Instagram and talking about them on podcasts and the news cycles picking it up like that might inspire a whole generation of people who who maybe had not heard of him or not in, you know, encountered his work in, in such a meaningful way. So, yeah. Yeah, I felt like growing up like Desmond Tutu, Dalai Lama, Mother Teresa, they're like the trifecta of good yes. that like, you know, our schools would have like their pictures on the wall of yeah. like, people to look up to. Totally. Um, so it really represents like a a bigger movement of of you know these these leaders that were pushing the needle for for better things throughout their whole life like really dedicated their life to bettering humankind and 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 the planet yep yep so no that was that was that was what what was kind of popping off in my mind top top of mind Desmond Tutu. Yeah, doing and being a little more good, right? I mean, oh, that's yeah. just it. The ultimate. Um, one of the things that I was kind of thinking on, I was kind of looking over some of the guests that we've had and mm. kind of thinking of some central themes and and uh, nuance came up as one of the waves that uh, I think has been consistent uh, through the pod. And just I feel like we've, the last, I guess like, Four years, five years, better, maybe even the better part of the decade, last decade, like, I mean, maybe dating back to, um, you know, not stating any political allegiances, but from when Stephen Harper started in Canada or maybe even George Bush started in the States, mm-hmm. like, we started to see these cracks of, 
of division, uh, you know, left and right. And I think um, this year with with COVID and, you know, elections, um, we've really seen this like polarization of like black and white. You're this, you're that. I'm on this side, you're on that side. I'm, you know, I'm this and you're the other. And just like kind of a mass spreading of division when mm-hmm. when our society really needs u- unity. And, and we've talked about this, you know, when we break down kind of our needs, there's so much more that unites us than divides us. You mm-hmm. know, we're all looking for community. We're all looking for family. We're all looking for love. We're all looking for shelter. We're all looking for food. We're all looking for you know, to be loved and to be clothed and and to be happy. Uh, and we kind of, I'm speaking like generally, but, you know, we've, we've instead of celebrating what unites us, we've been celebrating what divides us. Mm-hmm. And it's been our, our flag, our line in the sand that people aren't willing to cross anymore. And uh, we've lost the ability to have conversation. And I think... Um, finding that gray space, the space in between and, and relearning compassion and conversation and, and connection is going to be the way, the way out of all of this. And I think I just want to challenge everybody when somebody thinks differently than, than you kind of leading with curiosity and compassion instead of conviction and, and, uh, division and, and just seeing where that goes. I mean, I'm always so curious when people think differently than me. So like leading with a a curious mindset and asking questions and asking why and, and, you know, not, you know, forcing your opinion onto others, but more finding those, those points of common interest and, and growing from there, you know, small victories of, of, of unity can lead to great community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's just it. And I mean, I, I think that the, part of what what makes this divisiveness so rampant is that it's like false it's like a false sense of community because you find like this group of people that is defined by like what they're not or what they're against yes and so you can kind of rally momentarily and i mean like it it's one way i guess of making community mm-hmm. but it's like born out of negativity like oh i'm against this and i'm anti that or i'm you know like those people are the wrong people and so then you you it's like the instagram social media echo chamber where all of a sudden you start hearing and seeing the same voices and same things as you and you get this affirmation bias that like or confirmation bias that like yes everyone thinks like i do and then if someone isn't like that then they're bad or wrong and I mean, I think that we've all been guilty of that, right? Our our passions, the things that we're, you know, uh, we care deeply about yes. define who we are against. And then sometimes those divisions become the source of community rather than yes. a, a richer sense of community that is created around saying like, hey, like we might not see eye to eye on everything, but like we hold these kind of central values of, as being, you know, core and it's tough. Like it's it's tough. And when you know you throw in the midst like a, a global pandemic, yes. and how people react and respond to certain things, and now it's not just like do we agree or disagree, but some people, how do you see someone as like even safe or unsafe, mm-hmm. yes. right? And how that plays into like really heightening division. Yes. But when we 
when we write people off without any opportunity for conversation or empathy to to see something from someone else's perspective before we cast some sort of judgment like yeah that's that's never helpful yes but it's part of our human condition i guess i think especially when it's triggered by fear which is very common you know if 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 we other people or cultures or groups then we we kind of create that barrier that could be full of fear instead of hope yeah if we exclude versus include um you know i think fear is very common to be the driving force over hope and love and i think if we can kind of just check in with ourselves and be like what is driving driving our emotions here driving Mm -hmm. our thought processes is it fear or is it hope or love or compassion and if it's fear you know i think some fear is for survival of course so you have to acknowledge that but other fears are out of um you know lack of knowledge or or connection or um you know flawed belief systems that could be generational Mm -hmm. that um you just need to unlearn and, and relearn and take time to find education because in education we find you know understanding and and uh, you know look at where we're getting that education from um yeah if if we can kind of lean more into hope and and love and less into fear yeah i think there's a lot more possibility in love than there is in fear because fear your possibilities are like fight or flight yeah and love your possibilities are are really quite endless there's Mm -hmm. collaboration and community and creation and and like just the the ripples of of that are are endless for whereas you know fear is very minimal there's there's an end to that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of room to explore when you're living in fear yeah it's a limiting worldview yeah rather than an expansive one and i mean let's be honest it's challenging yes to to hold space and be gracious and understanding when we see someone as like maybe a threat or you know we all have the people that we might describe as like human sandpaper they just kind of rub us the wrong way yes. right and it's, it's 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 normal like it's part of being a human person but how do we respond to those feelings that rise up within us in a more um, generous and generative way that isn't just writing people off because they think differently, behave, believe differently than us. But, and it doesn't mean that we need to be like best friends with the people that we disagree with, but that idea of like nuance in our lives and in our conversation is allowing, you know, for more curiosity than fear. Yes. And asking some more questions rather than, you know, throwing internet facts across the digital room to each other and trying to argue someone into your point of view. Cause like newsflash that never happens. Yeah. How does that work out? Right? Like, so part of it is being okay with the fact that people are just going to think differently than you and that some of those people might be friends or family members and that drives us crazy, but allowing for space and being kind yes. is one of the best ways forward. 
And it might take time. It's, you know, it's not going to happen overnight where you change your views or someone else changes their views. But to live, as you said, like into that possibility is is a much better place to be than simply like shutting down and yes. doing the divisive, you know, well, you're part of that group. So like this relationship is over, right? And it's tricky. It's tricky because every situation is going to be different for yeah. every person, right? For a time, maybe you need to step back from a, a connection or friendship, but I don't think we need to be so definitive and like, I will never forever speak with that person again. But yeah, because so I think the positive, positive flip side of, you know, living in curiosity and, and uh, being open-minded is is personal growth and evolution. Like I, if I think about myself, like I've grown the most when I've been traveling and learning about other cultures from other people mm-hmm. um, in other countries. Like when I've traveled, that's where my, you know, curiosity and my own self-development has kind of taken the biggest leaps. And that's because I'm like in the space of, extreme open-mindedness to my surroundings and mm-hmm. to the the people around me and their perspectives and their history and their views and and my own learning is like rap- rapidly growing in those points of kind of convergence yeah um likewise in and you know in school like if i take when I took courses that were something outside of my bubble, that's where I learned the most and I evolved the most as a person. Like it would lead to the most interesting places by just doing something a little bit differently. Like mm-hmm. It's it's easy to stay in our comfort zones because that's what we know. But I don't know. Is that does that get boring at some point? Just to like always turn left, to always you know choose you know Rice Krispies for breakfast or whatever. Like be missing out on uh, some vegan french toast and pancakes you right know? like man don't don't want to miss on those buckwheat vegan right raspberry Oof. pancakes with you got canadian maple syrup that's right you gotta throw some flax in there too because flax in there shout out to anna pippis always put the flax always in. <laughs> she, she had hemp flax the secret to, to wellness in, in life but yeah. uh I mean, I think it's the fun parts of life is like getting out of our routine and our comforts. And mm-hmm. I think that uh, that's where that's where so much possibility sits. And mm-hmm. that's a heck of a lot more exciting than just rinse and repeat every day. Yeah. And I mean, it is, like I said, it, it's a challenge. And, you know, I, just thinking back over some of the guests we've had, like Juno Kim. Yes, I'm just looking at my notes for Juno right now. So okay, yeah. I'm, and Kate Hortzman. Uh, you know, and others even uh, thinking back, I think part, part of our conversation with Ali Maz was talking about it too, is this idea of like connection to outcomes, mm-hmm. right? And it's all tied to ego and that if we surrender to the idea of, you know, things have to work out a certain way and, and, you know, I have to be aligned with these people and these people I'm going to be against or whatever, we're, we're connected and we're attached to an outcome more than we are to the process. And I mean, it's good to have goals. We're both goal driven people, like outcomes are useful and important to help move us, you know, move the needle forward and and to, and to keep us going and pursuing, you know, whatever it is we want to accomplish and achieve. But if we attach too much to those outcomes so that it becomes a focus that detracts from our lives rather than adds to it. Like, I think that's where there's, there's an issue. And, and we have these outcomes attached to relationships often that, Oh, that person's not who I thought they were. 
And I mean, that could be a statement about that person, but it's also a statement about you. Yes. Right? It's also a statement about the assumptions we carry and the attachments we might have to who this person, friend or cousin or aunt or uncle or parent or child needs to be to us. Yes. And it is, it's hard work to like let go of those things, especially when they, they hit close to home and they, they cause that kind of primal urge of like fear and frustration and so, you know, there's, there's lots of work that, that each of us need to keep doing. Yes. Uh, but if we lead with, I think, kindness and curiosity, that is going to serve us better no matter what yes. than it is to, to kind of shut down and go, go the other route anyway. And even asking why, like if you're feeling triggered or opposed to something, like ask your, take a pause instead of reacting mm-hmm. and ask yourself, why is this triggering me? Why mm-hmm. am I opposed to this? And just see what you come up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe it's not as as triggering as the surface uh, reaction might present itself it. to be. Yeah, yeah. So nuance. I think yeah, that's going to be one of the themes that we explore until uh, the world is once again united. I don't yeah. know if it's ever been united, but uh, <laughs> that yeah. that is the goal. Man, oh man, that's that is that is the the journey that we're on, right? Yeah, yeah. Funny thing. Mm-hmm. It's a funny thing. Uh, what else has been good for for twenty twenty one? What are any other key themes or, or ideas that uh, I know embodiment was like a big one for me as well. That yeah. Also, uh, I mean, Juno kind of brought that one up, but it's been a central theme with uh, lots of guests. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what does embodiment mean to you, Dean? Yeah. Well, we have talked about it quite a bit. With, with different guests. And I think it touches on a lot of different aspects of our lives. Like, how am I embodied? But also the question, like, how am I disembodied? Like, right. what are the areas of life that I lean into that are kind of like from from the neck up and ignore or downplay like this whole human experience, right? The flesh and blood of it all. Um, for me, embodiment is really is really about like listening to what I need. Mm-hmm. And usually usually that's some sort of movement. And, you know, obviously it's no secret we like to go running. So typically that's how it works. But I think I, I have just this innate desire, and I think it's in all of us, to, to move and be sweaty, to get, to get a good sweat in. And, um, when I don't have time or no, that's not even when I don't make time or, (laughs) or, or prioritize movement, I become like a not great version of myself. And, uh, yeah, it can be tough, especially like over this holiday season, right? It's, it's more busy in some senses. It seems like there's more downtime, but everyone's around and it might be harder to, to sneak it in. And I don't know, I feel like if I don't pay attention to, to what my body needs in terms of movement, I just start to feel gross. Like I don't have the same energy, mm-hmm. you know, I might feel more lethargic, uh, just like my mental clarity isn't as good and I become grumpy. And often the cure is like just a quick 5k or like a 15 minute workout 
Yeah. It just gets the heart rate elevated. You know, you get a little bit of, I, I sweat easily. It's okay. It's a <laughs> medical condition. It's called hyperhidrosis. Look it up. I have that. Okay. So shout out to all my sweaty sisters and brothers out there. Okay. <laughs> but I just need, I need that. And uh, so I think for me, part of that is, is that physical element of just like moving my body. Movement brings you into your body. Yeah. And into your mind. Yeah. And it connects the two. Yes. Whereas if I'm in, you know, in a kind of like just a heady cerebral space, it doesn't equate to connection to my body. It often like furthers it. But as soon as movement is introduced, like the connection, the mind body, I would say even soul connection is like unlocked. They're all working together instead of separately. Yeah. Yeah. I I find that like, I think embodiment is that connection between mind, body and soul. Like I think we talk about, you know, the law of attraction or manifesting and, and that can just live in theory and concept in your, in your, in your mind, in yeah. your brain. You can be like, I want to be a millionaire. I want this relationship. I want this new pair of pants. I want, I want, I want. And it's like, you're like, well, why aren't I, I'm, I'm trying to manifest these things. I'm doing the law of attraction. Why aren't these things happening? And I think, Part of it is connecting your mind and your body so that uh, they're working working together because I think you can say you want something, but you can physically, your body can do the opposite. Mm, mm-hmm. um, like for me, um, I shared this example with you, Dean, and it's not something I talk about too much, but like, um, you know, sometimes we like don't celebrate abundance enough. And I think right. this idea of abundance um for for whatever reason, like we don't like to celebrate success. We like kind of connect more with, you know, the the middle ground or mm. like moderate, m- medium success. But, uh, you know, if you think about it from, and we talked about this with Akeem Pierre, like if you're a farmer, you want abundance. If you're, you know, want happiness, you want abundance. Yeah. But as soon as we turn it to capital, it's like, oh, don't be too successful now. Like, yeah. Um, and I think like for, for myself personally, like I've got on my, on my dad's side, like three generations of, of, you know, my, of family that have gone bankrupt at some point. Okay. So there's this like embodiment of, of scarcity. Um, and I think for a long time, I was, even though I was conceptually, uh, mentally, you know, talking about abundance and like projecting all of these great things, I still had that like generational Mm. kind of trauma of like scarcity of like, well, no matter how good it is, it's going to end at some point and you'll have nothing. And once I started to think about embodiment, I started to like think about my own history with abundance in my whole family history and and that's kind of started to shift things i'm like well i'm talking about abundance but i'm embodying scarcity and just kind of switching that um felt very liberating to bring abundance into my life and it doesn't have to just be financially speaking it can be whatever you want yes um it could be being able to run five kilometers or um you know, making yourself a green salad a couple of days a week or whatever, whatever kind of your speed bumps have been, mm-hmm. um, kind of seeing where those sit. Um, 
So for me, embodiment was like connecting that mind, body, soul, and seeing um, where they are disconnected mm. so that you can kind of lean into those gritty areas to, to try to find alignment. Yeah. Um, sowing seeds of connection. Sowing the seeds of connection. I like that. But I do think what you're saying, like the movement, I, I think that's kind of like a cheat code to get everything just Honestly. aligned because I, I mean, I think it just kind of sorts, sorts things out once you're no longer distracted by technology or kind of just the noise of the world. Um, things connect and, and you kind of tap into a source energy that uh, is a lot uh, clearer than, you know, if you're sitting around scrolling on Instagram, wondering why you can't figure out like what's next in your life. Yeah, totally. Totally. The 20 minutes, 25 minutes, whatever it might be spent in, yeah, like a social media scroll or a Netflix episode of something is like ne- like never as productive yes. as a walk, as a yeah. run, as a workout, as a bike, as a swim, like whatever it might be, right? It doesn't have to, you don't have to be a runner. Yes. <laughs> you should be, but you don't <laughs> have to be. But yeah, it could just be anything like go for a walk around the block. And, you know, headphones out, like just, you know, or maybe some like ambient kind of soundscape that's just going to help you like get into a more state of like awareness of just your your heart pumping and, you know, the smells that you smell and the things that you can take in as we just like actively pay attention in this moment of like moving and fresh air and all of that stuff. Like it just, it does the body good. Yes. And it's something that we should all pursue more of. And I, I mean, we were, we were thinking about it at the end of the day, like, you know, whatever last week we, you know, kind of cut it, cut it in close and just got snuck a, a quick little run in at the end of the day. And we were both laughing like, Oh, it's just so much better than like not getting one in, yes. you know, it was shorter than we would have liked, but it was still minutes, yeah. at the end of it. It were like, Oh, that was so much better than just like skipping it. And, you know, I, I had the thought, it was like at the end of, at the end of life, whenever and however that comes, like nobody is going to say, oh, I wish I spent more time like sitting on the couch watching TV or I wish I, I wish I just had a few more hours to like scroll through social media. Like none of us are going to long for that. Yes. And yet if you look at our lives, right, if you were like an alien dropped in from outer space they would observe is like the most precious thing we can do is like look at our screens. Yes, our phone. Yeah. They would say this is their most prized possession. Like this is how they want to spend their free time. You know, even when they're at work, they're sneaking off to like look at this thing, right? And it's like, it's so backwards. Yeah, you look at us and and think that our phones are our life, but I think when we put our phones down is when we start living. Yeah, yes. Which, which kind of is a, a cool segue to something that I think we've talked about this year and we'll definitely talk about next year is this idea of like the metaverse. Yes. Because we're all in it. We're all part of it. Um, and yet there's this recognition that, that we have, like you and I, and I think many of us, that like there is, there is a unique moment that we're in or it's coming or has come where the transition from like values on physical life, like the getting outside and going for a run and our hearts pumping and getting all sweaty or whatever it might be 
the transition of valuing that less than our digital lives, yes, this our lives in the metaverse, if you will, is something that fascinates me. And I'm not going to lie, like it it alarms me a little bit, like it unnerves me. Yes, and you know, I mean, going back to our earlier bit of conversation, like it, it sparks curiosity in me for sure. Like, what will that look like? Like, yes. will my kids care more about their online lives than their physical lives? And how, what, like, how, do, how does that, re- like, how does that resonate with me? I'm still not sure, but I mean, it's something we've talked about and I, I know we'll continue because yeah. we're kind of, we're kind of on the precipice of it if we're not already in it. I know I'm the same as you. Like I'm, equal parts curious and so fascinated about what's happening as kind of like I'd consider myself a bit of a futurist in some ways but also like I could just as easily go live you know in the woods or on the water in a you know five by ten cabin (laughs) totally reading books without any technology and be happier than I've ever been Um, but just seeing where you know, I always think like, look at what young people are doing. Yeah. And young people and, and old people are, they're connected to their technology, whether that be Facebook or Instagram or this, um, movement of web three, the metaverse and to put value just because we value, you know, an old record or, you know, um, a poster or some playing cards or, you know, physical things doesn't mean it doesn't have the same value for somebody uh, that may have a digital skin for their avatar or like a pair of digital shoes or, or whatnot. Um, I even like I've been exploring Discord, is which is like a platform where, you know, people talk about the NFTs and people were joking like there's there's no COVID in the metaverse. And yes. I was like, oh. They're right. There is no COVID in the metaverse because they're just all meeting in this like digital form and it's very safe and inclusive and it's interesting. Yeah. What you got there, Dean? I feel well, like I just, bringing... Yeah. I remember seeing like uh, an Instagram post. Oh, and about our time? No, just like uh, with specifically talking about NFTs and it's like the, it's a more jaded look at it. Right. It's people who are maybe like anti-capitalism and this and that. But I remember kind of like laughing to myself because the pendulum always swings, doesn't it? And so there's people who are like exploring it and so interested and kind of seeing what good can come of it and and exploring it as a means of like decentralizing. Yes. um, Like the economic systems that are, you know, really unfair and can be oppressive and you know, wondering if something like, you know, cryptocurrencies and NFTs as these uh, tokens of value are kind of starting to decentralize and disrupt what traditionally we would say is something that's like worth spending money on. Anyway, this one thing, it just kind of made me laugh. So this is how NFTs make me feel like the future is useless, but expensive. (laughs) And world-altering technology is now in the hands of a culture so aesthetically and spiritually impoverished that it should maybe go back to telling stories around the cooking fire for a while, just to remember how to mean something. And part of me like just chuckles and laughs, but the other part of me is like, yeah, it's not, it's not wrong. Yeah. But the, the third way, you know, like Pastor Dean, like Jesus always presented a third way. It's not this, it's this. What about this? Like introduces this question, right? And I mean, like I read that and I'm like, I think there's a third way 
where it's like, yes, you know, you could say NFTs are useless but expensive, but that's depending on on whose perspective you're taking. Yes. But like, what if we could live in a world where you can have a virtual wallet full of NFTs, but also equally value sitting around the proverbial fire telling stories to understand this like physical kind of like maybe spiritual level of meaning. Yes. And I think they're not mutually exclusive. I don't think it's an either or. I yeah. think it's a, an and. Exactly, right? And so I think as as we see this pendulum swing and, and the, the conversation, even as I introduced it, was like, when is the tipping point, the singularity, when like, you know, our online lives mean more than our physical lives and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, well, what if it's just like another avenue yeah. of finding meaning, yes. finding community, finding connection, and and it's online, but physical like reality is actually still going to be very meaningful and people so. are going to connect in like maybe more meaningful ways because there's not all this like extra whatever fluff of like putting on a facade of like, oh, are you wearing the right clothes? Do you, are you virtue signaling the right stuff to be in my crew? Well, it's really a decentralized future in the sense where like there are no borders, there is no like one currency, there is no, you know, one religion or one way of thinking or mm. like it's really like you can be anything and everything yeah. all at once. And there's possibility for people to be united around the world because they're focusing on what's common and they're leading with compassion and curiosity over division. Like I think yeah. the decentralized place is like kind of connected to some of the nuance that we were talking about because it's not centralized yeah you don't have to conform to church or state or or a financial paradigm or yeah the country that you live in or the leaders the the government that's leading your your country like it kind of puts all of that to you know some some less meaningful space yeah it's kind of wide open can you read this one Oh, yeah, sure. I thought this was an interesting take. Oh, this is a good one, yes. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a series of tweets by Sean Puri. Hot take, he says. Everyone is wrong about the metaverse. Here's my three-part theory. Part one, everyone is wrong. Most people think the metaverse is a virtual place, like in the movie Ready Player One. A virtual world like Minecraft, Roblox, or like Zuck showed in the uh, Facebook demo the other day. But what if it's not a place? Part two. It's not a place. It's a time. <laughs> WTF? Yes, a moment in time. You know, in artificial intelligence, there's an idea of the singularity. It's a moment in time where AI becomes smarter than humans. The moment when artificial intelligence becomes greater than human intelligence. Part three. What is the metaverse? Oh, sorry, sorry, part three is what it is, the metaverse, is the moment in time where our digital life is worth more to us than our physical life. This is not an overnight change or an invention by some Steve Jobs type. It's a gradual change that's been happening for 20 years. Every important part of life is going digital. Work from factories to laptops, boardrooms to Zoom rooms, friends from neighbors to followers where do you like to where do you like to find like-minded people twitter reddit etc etc in the games more kids are playing fortnite than basketball and football combined 
That's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. Our identity. Filters are the new makeup. Stories are your personal billboard to broadcast who you are. What matters more? What you look like in real life or what you look like on Instagram? Everything goes digital. Your friends, your job, your identity. And now with crypto, your assets can be online too. Bored apes are the new Rolex. Fortnite skins are the new skinny jeans. If everyone hangs out online all the time, then your flexes need to be digital. So if you play this forward another 10 to 20 years, we will cross into the metaverse. The moment in time where digital matters more to us than physical. Our attention used to be 99% on the physical environment. TVs drop that to about 85%, computers down to 70%, phones to 50%. Our attention has been sucked from physical to digital. And where attention goes, energy flows. If 50% of our attention is on our digital screen, then 50% of our energy will go to our digital life. Today, it takes some effort to take out your phone, take it out of your pocket and look at it. Soon, some company will make smart glasses that sit in front of our eyes all day. We will go from 50% attention on screens to approximately 90% plus. That's the moment in time when the metaverse starts. Because at that moment, our virtual life will become more important than our real life. That's a hot take. That's a hot take. Yeah. How's that sit with you, Dina? I mean, yeah, that's the part where I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I like that. Like, I, it to me, it doesn't seem far-fetched. Like, it doesn't seem out of the terms of reality for even the next, like, three to five years for some of those things to, to happen. And, you know, he's not wrong. Like, look at the percentage of time we are spending online, like, looking yeah. and scrolling and curating our own digital lives to, like, look a certain way. Um, man, I, you know, and this is the studies show like youth, young, young teenagers, both women and men are going and pursuing like plastic surgery or body augmentation to look more like Snapchat filters. Like that's crazy crazy. because they want their physical appearance to look like their digital appearance. Their digital appearance when they alter it with with some filter that makes their eyes bigger or their nose smaller or their chin more, whatever it might be, that there's a whole business, there's a whole, a whole economy now around this desire to look more like a filter. Like that's crazy. That is crazy. So I I don't I don't love it. I don't love that that could be the reality that people will care less about you know, their physical lives. Cause I'm wondering like, what does that do to our health yeah. and wellness? And like, you know, uh, the movie that came out a couple of years ago, um, uh, the social dilemma, right? Like they did such a good job of showing all the research of when smartphones and social media were introduced to teenagers, Anxiety, the absolute depression. spike of those things yeah. was like through the roof. And it's, it's a, it's not a correlation. Like it's a causation. Yeah. It's not like, Oh, this seemed to happen around the same time. It's like, no, this happened. And this was the trigger point. Like, this is what caused it. So for us to just, I think, like, almost like unthinkingly just adopt Mm -hmm. this is like, well, this is what the future is going to be. I think, like, there's going to be a huge toll on our lives. And perhaps what we need to be on the rise as much as, you know, some of these accessibilities and the metaverse is, is a practice of like embodiment yes so that we don't forget yes our physical selves 
I think that's the future. Is like, I think to deny technology is like to be a bit of a dinosaur in some ways. Of course. But I think embodiment and compassion and mindfulness, like fusing fusing those and bringing that intention to your offline and online life is mm-hmm. hopefully the, the way to, I don't know. It, yeah. ma- it makes me like nervous, excited, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think what has to be built into it, like I think social media apps kind of get you know, they got a free pass because it was so new and so early. And it was this race to discover, like driven by immense amount of profit. Like how can we get people to spend the most amount of time on our apps as possible? And it was so unregulated and, you know, I don't want to say evil, but it was so, it was driven by, extreme like capitalism yes that we can our, our attention is our currency exactly and, and that we can people use that for us or against us yes and so those early apps were designed to get us addicted mm-hmm. and my god did they work yes and so now you know these web developers there many of them who are part of uh developing the most addictive um parts of social media like the pull to refresh like yeah, this oh this God. code it was like written in in 90 seconds this code written to pull to refresh it was designed for twitter which is now everywhere on yes. all of our social medias like that it, didn't they take that from like the casino or like gambling yes, or something like that like exactly that? the dopamine of like pulling and just keeping us connected to like what's next what's yeah. next and that that was written in and like you know was a significant tipping point in terms of like our addiction to our apps and our smartphones. But some of those things, like the developers are like, we never should have done that. But it's Pandora's box. Like once it's out, it's out. But what I see is like, uh, hopefully there'll be some like accountability and some humanity built in to, you know, these future technologies that we use. And, you know, there's a case in point, like I don't know how many people out there have like Apple watches or whatever. I don't, but my wife does. Yeah. And I, uh, I, I, I of it. okay. Yeah. Actually my son smashed it and then I never got another one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, uh, I, I learned just the other day in a moment of, you know, heightened, uh, stress. All of a sudden she looked at her watch, like it was buzzing, like someone was calling her or texting her. And then it was a reminder because it was, it was connected to hers. So it's like wearable technology. It was connected to her and sensing, I guess, that her heart rate, re- heart rate was rising or yeah. blood pressure, or whatever it was. And it's like, reminder, take, take, a, a, take a mindfulness <laughs> yeah. moment. And so I kind of laughed at that and she's like, oh, but that's a part of the technology that is moving us further and further into the so-called metaverse, yeah. but is emphasizing yes. an embodied reality, a physical yes. life reality. And I think that if we can bake into some of these structures and systems uh, ways that push us back to the reality, stronger than like the little prompt from Netflix, like, are you yeah. still watching? Like, get out of here, Netflix. It's Saturday <laughs> afternoon. Yes, I'm still watching. Like, whatever. <laughs> but like those you know those those kind of low level prompts but maybe something more helpful like hey uh if you you know if you want to continue watching like maybe take a 15 minute stretch break yeah you know and queue up some like 10 minute 15 minute yoga things that you can watch on netflix and follow along they like i think that we have to build into these systems you know ways that will help us to 
to keep that yeah. physical life healthy and connected as well. It's so interesting because like, just going back to, to nuance, right? Like, yeah. I think for all of the good, uh, for all the bad, there's also good. Like, of course. I think, like, there's str- like, these are things that I perceive as good that others might perceive as bad because it's subjective. And I think living in between the spaces of, of, you know, some things are clearly good and some things are clearly bad, but a lot of it is subjective. Um, like, I think Strava is good for me. Right. I think apps like Headspace are good. Yeah. I think, like, Peloton was amazing for so many people mm-hmm. during COVID when they couldn't leave their, their homes. So I think there's, like, and those are just, like, three symbolic examples. But I think, like, for every app, like the Facebook or the Instagram that are anxiety-inducing and have done physical harm to the collective mental well-being of of you know, the human species. I think there are also apps that are technology based that allow us to live more fully. Totally. So it's like, yeah, I think it's just this like give and take this ebb and flow that like we need to just continue to bring intention and understanding and make decisions with awareness so that we are, um, you know, driving forward with with that intention rather than just being a passenger. Because I think when we're a passenger, you get into the the doom scroll and you're yeah. just, you know, passively scrolling and all of a sudden, you know, you're comparing or wanting or, you know, it can become a negative trap if you're not aware of, just like if you were driving to work, you know, you like, you have a plan of how you're going to get there. If you're just like, I'm just going to drive and hopefully eventually I'll, I'll get there, but I don't know how, like yeah. you're going to, you're going to miss you're going to get lost. You're going to get lost. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes getting lost is, you know, part of getting found, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. you know, you're not going to get to work on time if you don't exactly. map out or yeah. at least put it into your Google Maps <laughs> yeah, yeah. app. That's going to tell you exactly <laughs> how to get there. Quickest route. Yeah. But that's the thing. You're absolutely right. Like, it's not, it's so easy, I think, to demonize social media yes. or technology, like yes. carte blanche. But that's that's insane because... We're all connected. We've all benefited yeah. from from modern technology, and it's not it's not going away. Like it's there's not yeah. going to be some revolution where we all burn yes. our smartphone. Like that's just that's not going to happen. It might make for an interesting movie or Netflix series that we could all watch on many devices all at once, yeah. streaming throughout our households. <laughs> but like, it's never going to go away. So it's exactly that. It's like engaging with intention and learning like our limits and learning what's good for us and. I think that for sure, like living into the future and whatever the metaverse, whatever that might look like in tandem with our physical lives, not at the expense of, I think that's where like there's, there's room to explore what that looks like. And where's your genuine connection happening? Like it Mm -hmm. could be like, is your phone distracting you from genuine uh, connection in, in the physical or vice versa? Do you have like, are you in a, you know, potentially like a dysfunctional place in your life or mm-hmm. or a difficult place in your life where you're not finding that genuine connection in person and you're finding it online. Yeah. Um so I think there's like where where in your life are you finding genuine connections that are serving the the best you to be your, your best self. Yeah. And follow that. Yeah. And I think it can be both. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, I think that it comes back to like understanding what it is we're using. Like, yeah, 
it used to be you could compare like like these technologies to a tool yeah right like a hammer or a saw or a screwdriver like any of these things can be used for an infinite number of good yes. they can also be used for an infinite number of bad um the difference is like now social media is <clears throat> less of a tool that we use as something that can like use us. And so I think like understanding, bringing that understanding to it and recognizing, you know, what do we get out of this thing, but also like, what is it getting from us? Yes. And again, it just comes back to like spending a little time, paying attention, doing some, you know, work to understand what it is we're doing and not just blindly adopting it and following it, which like I fully did oh, when yeah. I signed up for Facebook, like, and you know, Instagram and all things, you just click the terms and the conditions and away you go. Yeah. But a little more intention is always a good thing yeah. to, to bring to how we show up in the world, whether it's the physical world or the digital world. Oof, and there we go. There we go. All right. So <clears throat> digital, physical, what are you excited for, for 2022? Ooh, well, what's on the agenda? I feel like it's a bit of a reset of what I was excited for for 2021. <laughs> so I, I'm a little bit like nervous to say. <laughs> uh, obviously excited for the world to move forward in new ways. Uh, I mean, top of mind is the whole coronavirus situation, which like it feels like maybe, even though currently like things are, are popping off with uh, Omicron variant, feels like maybe we're we're nearing the end. Some of the world's top scientists and doctors are are suggesting that you know this wild surge uh, could could mean <laughs> could mean the end of the pandemic. So obviously I would hope uh, greatly for that to be true so we can kind of get back to just doing doing events and you know being able to see people and celebrate things without without worry of you know, uh, is this a risk to our health or our community or whatever? So that is, uh, I'm greatly looking forward to on a kind of global scale personally. Um, yeah, honestly, I, I, it's, it's hard to think. I usually do some more thinking like between this week and yeah. new year. Cause every day, every day is an opportunity to, to, to begin again, right. Yes. And to be new and to be remade new and, and to lean into ourselves that way. But new year's always feels like, okay, so what's coming? So, I haven't really formed fully the thoughts, but yeah. some of the goals, some of the goals for, for this year would be like fitness wise tied into just um, really like diving into to holistic fitness. Like I did a lot of running in, in the last year and I, I want to keep that up and even maybe do some distances that I haven't quite tackled before. Um, but I think I really want to just like embrace more kinds of movement as well. You know, I've been doing a lot of like little kettlebell workouts and getting back into yoga, like more intentionally going to classes, not just like YouTube yoga or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I want to pursue some more of those things just to like keep the body moving in all kinds of ways and spaces. And I kind of want to read more books this year. I feel like I didn't read enough books in this last year. And I think this is like the, I'm sad to say this out loud. Maybe I listened to a couple of audibles, but just with like the phase I am with kids, I yeah. did not read one book. It's in tough. I know. I remember like, it's just, I'm still in it too with my kids. Like it's tough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Usually at the end of the year, I can be like, oh, these are the best books that I read. And these like transformed my year and the way that I think. And I'm like, man. 
And like that's not to say that I can't find time for it. No. I just like choose Netflix or yeah, yeah, other so, things that uh, are easier. Yeah. What about you? Anything? Anything big looming? Um, I think just continuing to explore this idea of embodiment. Mm-hmm. I th- I think even though like it's an old term, like I didn't fully embody the concept of yes. embodiment. Imagine before. that. So I think exploring that in, in many facets of my life, um, similar to yourself, like I think more holistic movement, less expectation or like less destination, but more journey. I love that. I think last year I set a lot of goals of like how far I want to run, how many kilometers I want to run. Same with cycling. How And like I found myself at times getting attached to the uh, outcome versus the the journey mm. and it's the journey that i enjoy yeah so just kind of like detaching from outcome and like just um i think short runs taught me a lot this past year and kind of like leaning into that i found so much joy in like squeezing in a 20 minute run yeah when i didn't think i was going to be able to get any movement in yeah and you know not every run is going to be you know, a half marathon or, you know, a long distance. Cause I know like there is something special about a long run that your, your mind and body goes somewhere that, you know, you need time to yeah. unpack and get there. Well, that's how we started the year. That's how we started. The, we were just running like 20 K multiple times a week. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> but it's not always sustainable. No. Uh, when you have business and family and <laughs> other obligations, but I've found similar joy in a 20 minute run yeah or you know a two minute plank or even like a a peloton if i didn't think i was going to be able to get a workout in yeah so having less expectations to outcome and just like enjoying whatever movement i can find yeah whether that be a walk or a five minute run yeah or like you know doing the stairs in my house with a little extra conviction. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 right. You can find it anywhere. Yes. Yeah. And I think, uh, so movement, that's one of my goals is enjoy the journey, you know, forget the forget the destination or the outcome. I think, uh, you know, 2021, we've been rediscovering community in, a, in, a, in the new world. And... Um, growing that more so you know the podcast has been a big part of that uh, maybe youtube will be a part of it in 2022 Whoa. uh smaller events you know has been a part of what we've been doing and like continuing that i think like yeah. we used to try to do these events that would be like kind of like a hype machine like how fast can we sell it out? how many people can we you know how many tickets can we sell or you know how big will the event be now it's like let's do these like hyper intentional hyper mindful small small, small micro events with just a few people that we can have like really deep, meaningful connection with. And we'll all remember that connection. Yeah. Uh, that like individual, you know, person to person connection. So more of that, uh, I know we're working on a, a run retreat with yeah. our uh, friends at Van Run Crow, Van Run Co. Uh, Van Run Co. Crow. I just like laughed in my head thinking of like a, like an Instagram account for <laughs> Crow from Vancouver or something. Van Run Crow. There you go. Um, yeah, we're working on a run retreat with Van Run Co. Not the Crow. <laughs> and our friends at Myo Detox. Yes. So I'm excited for that to become, you know, a real thing. Um, 
and yeah, we've been pivoting the juice truck, so I'm excited to like continue to do that. Yeah. You know, we went from a food truck to a cafe, and now we've recently evolved to a marketplace experience, and we're going to bring that here we go, blending the digital and the in-person. We're taking that um, in-store experience online, launching yep. a new website <clears throat> in the new year. So just kind of continuing to explore that and how we can bring community into retail, like yeah. celebrating local creators and, and purveyors and and uh, doing it in a different way, you yeah. know, bringing community into into product in a way which is super cool i was down at the mainstream store the other day and it's like it's awesome to see products from like the arbor yes right which is kind of just a stone's throw away yes but it's so cool that it's in there yeah. you know and obviously like all of the all of the local vancouver plant-based and vegan people yes. right we've got there's it's just so great yeah and brands are just like stories so like yeah. finding you know sharing those stories and those experiences with with people and and you know hopefully doing it in a way that can elevate and create you know positive space so yeah that's the goal and i'm excited like uh i think anytime there's new things it's like you get that kind of like startup excitement yeah so kind of leaning into that awesome and then uh what else the boys will be you know a little bit older so you know keep doing new things with them yeah Get to live life through their eyes. So fun. We went ice skating for the first time with Finn and uh, Cole last week, and it's just like so fun to yeah. like see these, you know, little beings experience, have these experiences for the first time. So great. How you know they lead with curi- curiosity, sometimes fear, sometimes love. Just like yeah, you know, navigate those experiences with them. So it's good. Fun. That's awesome. So yeah, that's uh, kind of. I feel like it's been one big blur of a timeline since the pandemic started. True. But I think uh, if we are open to possibility, there can be silver lining in these, you know, difficult times and and finding that silver lining and just like really leaning into it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's the way to go. And I feel like, um, yeah, it has it has been kind of a a, a mishmash of time and years from from 2020 till now and i mean we're not out of we're not out of the woods so to speak but there is there's always there's always hope there's always the opportunity the possibility to choose the positive to lean into a more hopeful sustainable future together and that's what that's what excites me is like looking at ways that we can we can connect and create community, even if it's through a platform like this podcast. And yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic about the the future I of that. 2022. It's going to be, it's going to be a real one. I think so. I think so. Well, should we wrap it up and uh, go for a little icy, snowy, chilly 5k? Let's do it. Let's you know, embody all these things we've been talking about. I love it. You know, it's, it'll be the way. It's always a good day and you get a podcast and a run Oof. in. I guess one thing to close with, just uh, want to express gratitude for everybody that's listened or shared or yeah. commented or been on the podcast. All our guests. All of our guests. Yes. Like it's, it's selfishly such a joy. I know. Uh, for, I know for myself and, and for you, Dean, that, um, you know, just 
extreme gratitude dude i'm just like that we get to do this yeah i'm just looking at at our a little more good website and we got all the all the faces of the people that have been on so far and like i look at each one and it just it takes me back to the conversations we've had the space that we shared the laughs the meaningful moments the incredible stories that like each person represents here whether you know they're someone advocating for a plant-based lifestyle from a gut health medical perspective to someone who is, you know, telling and sharing a love story, following their passion, doing amazing, you know, physical efforts, creating healing modalities, or simply just sharing their story of where they've come from and how far they've come to this point, advocating for a better world, better tomorrow for our kids and our kids' kids. It's just so inspiring. And I just yeah. feel nothing but gratitude for yeah. the opportunity so far and really looking forward to just more of the same in the coming years. Yeah, we were, we were joking off the pot or maybe more reflecting how, how fortunate we have been to get to connect with all of these amazing, inspiring people and how it's almost impossible if, if we are being active listeners and and students to kind of the wisdom that all of these amazing people are are sharing with us it's impossible not to be inspired to do more good yeah um and we've we've been lit up in such a deep impactful way by all of these people and we're so fortunate and we're so excited to be able to continue to connect with more incredible amazing people so thank you for listening thank you for being our guests um yeah just grateful for all of you that's right wishing you nothing but the best as the year closes out and may you dream with intention into what's good for you in the future have a great great end of your year my friends all right peace Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 